Welcome to the Burn Your Mortgage Podcast, a Canadian real estate podcast that shows you how to pay off your mortgage sooner and live well while doing it. Now, here's your host, Sean Cooper. Welcome to the Burn Your Mortgage Podcast. I'm Sean Cooper, and it's great to be back for another episode. On today's show, I'll be talking to Tyson George. Tyson George is a 17-year-old landlord who purchased his first investment property at the age of 15. He currently owns three investment properties, two of which are rentals and one full-time Airbnb. He started at the early age of nine with $500 in his pocket. He was inspired by his grandfather to grow his savings, so he bought and sold items on Kijiji and Facebook. He saved his earnings for six years until he had enough for a down payment on an investment property. Tyson has been featured on CBC News, Global News Toronto, CFPL, 980 radio station, 30 Minutes to Wealth Season 2, and Kijiji Canada commercial. He hopes to achieve his goal of acquiring 100 units by age 25. In my interview with Tyson, we discuss what inspired him to invest in real estate at such a young age, how to buy a home before age 18, and selecting the perfect tenant. Without further ado, here's my interview with Tyson George. Hi, Tyson. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. It's wonderful to chat with you on the show. I remember hearing your story at an Enriched Academy event that I attended over a year ago, and your story was so inspiring that I wanted to share it with my audience. So I'm super excited to be speaking with you today. No, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Great. Well, let's get started. So, Tyson, you bought your first investment property at only 15 years old. Wow. What inspired you to invest in real estate at such a young age? Yeah. So I'd say um, the biggest inspiration for me was wanting to get ahead in life. And when I'm 40, 50 years old, I don't want to have to worry about money. And I've always known that it takes a while to build equity. So I wanted to start as early on as possible. And kind of the idea is when I'm older, I want to be able to travel and do things I enjoy and not have to worry about money. So I'd say that was the biggest inspiration and drive for me. Great. So that financial freedom is what's keeping you motivated to get up every single day. Would that be a fair assessment? Yeah, for sure. 100%. You didn't stop there. Is that right? You bought a second property and a third property you mentioned before are podcast is that really true yeah so that's exactly it uh and how about my first one was by saving up a down payment and then for my second one what i did was i leveraged money from my first property by pulling out equity to buy the second and then the third one was kind of interesting i bought that one through private lending at a higher interest rate for a short period of time and then getting into refinancing that way without so that way i don't have to put any of my own initial money into it. 
Wow, that's uh, remarkable. And it sounds like you're going to be probably going for a fourth and a fifth property. So definitely excited to hear when you purchase property four and five. So speaking of actually being able to purchase real estate, the biggest hurdle for a lot of aspiring homeowners is coming up with a down payment. Can you talk about how you managed to come up with your down payment? You touched on it in the last question, but perhaps you could just talk about how you actually came up with the initial down payment for property number one and the ways that you save money. Yeah. So for my first property, what I did was between ages nine and 15, I went around my neighborhood and I would pick up furniture and things that people were throwing out on garbage day. I'd go like at six thirty, seven in the morning. I also went to garage sales and auctions every Tuesday and Saturday, every week or almost 52 weeks of the year in London, where I'm from, we have, Fanshawe College and Western University. And so what I would do is I would go around to all the campuses and I would pick up anything that the students were throwing out in May. And then I would hold on to that, all that stuff and keep it in my bedroom. And then in August, what I would do is I sell it all back to them uh, when the students come back to college and university. So that was another way that I kind of bought and sold stuff. I also would just buy and sell things on Kijiji and Facebook, just anything that people just wanted to get rid of fast and cheap and they were just they just wanted to get rid of it and I'd pick it up and just sell it at market value and then the last thing I did was I worked uh, door-to-door when I was 14 selling premium black Angus beef with a company and over the course of the six years ages 9 to 15 I saved up a, about $25,000 which was enough for um, an investment property a down payment and for my second one, so what I did was my first property, after I renovated it and got it all rented out and stuff like that, I went to the bank and got them to refinance my property. And at the time, I only owed $110,000 of my mortgage. And what the bank did was they said this property is worth $225,000, um, going by most recent sales in the area as well as looking at the upgrades that I did. And so they were willing to give me a mortgage of 80% of that, uh, which was $180,000. And then what I did was I took the 180 and paid back the other bank the 110, and I had 70000 extra that I could use to um, invest into more properties. And so I used that money to buy my second one. Then for my third one, uh, this one was very interesting. So what I did was I was on Global News in May, and then I had uh, someone reach out to me, and I ended up meeting up with this person, and they explained to me how to buy properties with none of your own money. And so that's exactly how I bought my third one. So kind of how it works, and, I can, and I'll even use my numbers kind of as a way to explain it as well. But so my third property, it was $130,000. And generally what you would have to do is you would have to put down 20%, which was $26,000 plus lawyer fees and transfer tax and closing costs, which would be another $4,000 roughly. Plus I figured about 10 to 20,000 in rentals. So that would be right there, 40 to 50,000 of my own money. But instead of what I did is I went to a private lender that lives just an hour away from me. And I said, I'd like $150,000 for three months at 16% interest. 
So at the end of the three months, I was to pay back the private lender $156,000. So 6000 in uh, total accumulated interest. And so then what I did was I took the 150000 from this person. I bought the townhouse for one thirty, And then I put 20000 into rentals. And then there was the one fifty gone. And then what I did is at the end of the three months, once I had it all renovated and done, I went to the bank and I said, I own this property free and clear. I don't owe anything on it. There's no lien on the property, nothing. I would like to put a, I would like to put a mortgage on it and refinance it. And the bank came along and they said that uh, your property is worth 240000 And so then what they were able to do is give me uh, a new mortgage at 192000 which was 80% um, of what they appraised that. And then what I did is I took the 192000 and I paid back the private lender, 156000 And then at the end of it, I walked away with 36000 cash plus a fully renovated property that I now make money on every month in cash flow. So that's kind of how I bought all three of my properties. Wow, that's remarkable. Thanks so much for sharing that with our listeners and going through it in so much detail. Certainly, there's some good lessons to be had. And it just goes goes to show you that if you don't have that down payment, there's still a way to purchase real estate if you can't afford to come up with that full down payment yourself. So perfect. Well, as you mentioned, you've been certainly working hard over the last while. While people were out having fun, it seems like you were busy going to yard sales and figuring out ways to make money. Can you talk about some of the sacrifices that you've made along the way? Yeah, so I'd say really the biggest sacrifices that I made was when my friends are sleeping until, you know, noon on a Saturday and Sunday, I'd be up at 6, 6 a.m. going to garage sales or going out to my garage or to my grandpa's house to fix dressers and paint them all up. Um, So that was the biggest thing. Or even during the week, you know, where, where my friends, they'll spend three, four hours a night playing video games. Instead, I'll spend one or two hours and then use the other time to go on Kijiji or meet up with people to buy and sell things. And then I'd say the other sacrifice over the years was, well, when I was younger, having five, ten thousand $10,000 and being only 11 or 12 years old, it's very tempting to want to go out and, you know, purchase the newest PlayStation or buy the best iPhone. But I had to stop myself from doing that. And I had to focus on my longer term goal. So I'd say a sacrifice there would be sacrificing what I want now for what I want most, which was that end goal of owning an investment property. And kind of what I would say to myself in the moment was, you know, I could buy this PlayStation right now for three, $400 because I have the money, but that's only going to set me three, $400 away from my longer term goal. And so that's kind of how I looked at it. And that's kind of what helped me. But saving was definitely the, the most challenging part and the biggest sacrifice that I've had to make. But I guess, like you said, you had that end game in mind and certainly real estate is a great investment, but I guess that goal of financial freedom, that's what drives you to work hard every single day. Would that be accurate? Exactly. Yeah. You're 17 years old now. You just turned 17. Don't you need to be 18 years old to own real estate? How were you able to get around that rule? Yeah. So there's a couple things that I did. So the first thing I did was because I'm not 18, my parents, they had to put the mortgages in their name and then in trust for me for when I turn 18. 
But through talking to other uh, real estate investors and in conversation, I kind of learned a bit more. And so most recently what I've done is I opened up a corporation in my parents' name, but it's called T. George Holdings because my name is Tyson George. Now what we're doing is over the past couple of months, we've been putting the properties into the corporation. So right now I have two of them in the progress of going into the corporation. And so that way when I'm 18, I can just buy out my parents in the corporation and it will just have my properties in it or my parents will step down or whatever. So that's just an easier way of me acquiring the properties when I'm 18. The only crappy part about that is I have to pay land transfer tax twice now, which is kind of unfortunate, but I guess it's just the way she goes. Great. Thanks so much for sharing that with us. And for any 17-year-olds listening, it's great to know that there still is a way to buy real estate, even if you're not 18 years old. So thanks again for sharing that. Yeah, no worries. Great. So you're not just a real estate investor. You're a landlord too. How has that experience been and how do you manage to maintain a well-balanced life? So yeah, I'd say, you know, especially with being young and still wanting to be a teenager and get out and stuff, I'd say balance has been one of the biggest things for me and the most important thing to me. So like I still hang out with friends, you know, five, six, seven days a week. I still play hockey. Um, so I'd say that's where I have my balance is, you know, where my friends are sleeping and kind of like I mentioned earlier, I'm out buying and selling and making money. And as far as uh, being a landlord at a young age, there's definitely some hurdles and things that you have to go through. And an example, a kind of a story I can tell you is just a couple months ago, I turned my third property into an Airbnb. I just posted this online on the Airbnb website. And in the first two days, I got over $1,000 in bookings. And so I was like, sweet. And then at uh, around midnight one night, a notification came up on my phone saying, please verify your ID that you're the real Tyson George. So I was like, oh, okay, sure. So I put in my driver's license and all that. And then 10 minutes later, I go back onto Airbnb and my account was locked and I didn't know what happened. And so what I did was I called Airbnb and I was up till four in the morning with them trying to figure out what happened. And what they did was they locked my account, canceled all my bookings and reservations and refunded the thousand dollars back to all the guests. At the end of the story, um, basically what happened was because I'm not 18, uh, Airbnb had locked everything and canceled it all because you have to be 18. Uh, so now I'm running my Airbnb under my parents' name and going that way through it. So there's definitely hurdles as well as, you know, things breaking down. Like just two days ago, I had an undermounted sink in my first unit uh, fall into the kitchen cabinets. So I had to call a plumber right away because water was going all over the place and leaking into the basement. The first day of my Airbnb, I had, uh, it was an hour before the first guest and the stove wasn't working and I was plugging in all the TVs and setting them all up and had one TV fall out of the wall on top of me. And two hours from then, I also had to be on a flight going out to Vancouver. I had like an hour to figure out how I was going to put this TV back up and how I'm going to fix the stove. And then I got to go home and pack and I got to be on a plane in two hours. But uh, it's all about um, being able to, I guess, manage situations. And, and, you know, like when it's not all just sunshines and rainbows, there's lots of, you know, things that can go on and unexpected things that you have to be prepared for and ready to handle. But every problem that I have definitely makes me better at what I do. And there's even some ways that I've learned from other people to be able to prevent some of the issues. 
So for example, one of the things I hear from people who don't want to invest in real estate is, oh, well, what if the tenant trashes the place or all there's all these what if some things that can happen. And so my biggest thing, and I've never had a single tenant yet uh, ruin my place or do any damage is because first of all, I'm extremely, extremely careful with who I rent to. I don't just rent to anybody just because they say they're going to pay me every month. So with my first property, I got over a hundred messages within the first 24 hours. And so what I did is I asked all hundred people a series of questions, um, like where do they work and who's going to be living with them? Um, do they have any pets and just all this information about them? And then what I did is I narrowed it down to about 10. I invited all 10 to come and view the property. And I had told them that I forgot all the rental applications at home, but um, I can drop it off at their place after. And then out of meeting the 10 people, there was a few that I thought um, I really liked and I could rent to. And so then what I did is because I had forgotten the rental um, applications, I didn't actually forget them. It was purposely. Then I did what I did was I went to their houses and I dropped off the application. And then I was able to kind of see how they lived, how they took care of their properties. And then I kind of narrowed it down to one person. And that's kind of how I found my first tenant. But by not just renting to anybody and kind of being cautious as to who you rent to, can save from a lot of problems. And even with the Airbnb, some of the things I do, for example, is I have a camera right out front. And so I'm able to see who comes in all the time. And so, you know, if I have a bunch of teenagers, well, then I know it's, it's not a 43-year-old female named Sally who's coming for her grandmother's birthday. <laughs> and so there's just different ways to manage it. And, you know, if I am a little hesitant about someone on Airbnb, what I'll do is I, say, I tell them that I'm meeting them there to verify their ID, just like hotels do. Um, just because I've had issues in the past, I say, or whatever. But there's a bunch of different ways to manage things. And, you know, as a landlord, there's been different ups and downs. But at the end of the day, it's kind of how the game goes. And it's about monetizing the issues and trying to prevent yourself from having big issues that could be bigger. Wow, thanks so much for sharing so many great pieces of advice. And one last follow-up question to this. Have you ever had any of the tenants kind of look strangely at you because of your age and what do they think about like a 17 year old owning a property I mean I think it's great but have you ever had any apprehension there yeah yeah so no I I haven't had any um really issues with that you know all my tenants they know that it's me that owns them and stuff like that and it's funny my uh, second property the girl that is currently renting there she knew me before I knew her because she had seen a, a couple articles on me and a Kijiji ad. <laughs> so it was kind of funny because walking into the property, she already knew that I had owned it and I was young. But they all, they all respect, respect it and they're all very good and they don't treat me any different. And so, yeah, I haven't had any issues, I guess I'd say. That's great to hear. Tyson, it sounds like you've uh, been up to a lot the last uh, few years building your real estate empire, but I'm really excited to hear what's next for you. So could you tell us what you're up to right now? And I heard that you have a pretty ambitious goal about the number of doors that you'd like to own at a certain age. Yeah. So kind of the very end goal is I'd like to have a hundred units by the age of 25. And obviously I'd like to eventually push away from the single family townhouses or homes and get into um, more commercial properties where I have five, six units or 12 plexes and go on from there. And then kind of currently what I'm doing right now is I've been doing a lot of research in this Airbnb thing and kind of what I want to get into is in my city, I've been looking at um, rentals 
that people are renting out that are fully furnished. And then um, what I've been working on as well is trying to find ways to approach these people and to tell them, hey, I will give you, you know, the $1,300, dollars $1 a month that you're looking for in rent and I'll guarantee it. And then I'll ask them if in the lease, they can agree to let me run it as an Airbnb. And Airbnbs, depending on the area, can bring in anywhere from $2,000 to $3,500, depending on the property. And so if they were to allow me to do this, then it would, I would just kind of be the middleman. And it would be another way to make money every month without having to actually own the property. And I know lots of people that do it. I know people that do it full time. So that's kind of something that I've been looking into for now. And I also really enjoy public speaking. So I've been you know, speaking at some different conferences, um, especially real estate conferences, or even going to high schools and talking to different classes and groups of kids. And then as well, my longer term goal of owning the 100 doors by age 25. Wow. And last time we spoke, it was age 30. So it seems like you keep setting even more ambitious goals for yourself. So that's pretty amazing. Well, Tyson, it's been great having you on the show. Before I let you go, is there anything of interest that you're working on that you'd like to share with our listeners? Where can people find you as well? Yeah, kind of what I'm working on now is kind of like what I said earlier about the whole Airbnb thing and just trying to always develop my future and always looking at what's next or reading different articles and kind of seeing what's out there and different opportunities that I could possibly uh, see myself getting into. You know, if anyone out there has any questions or if they ever want to see kind of what's going on in my life, they could always follow me, say, on Instagram, um, where I always post about what's going on or they can always send me a message there as well. And um, I know you'll uh, post the Instagram hashtag in the comments below or bio below, but uh, it's tysn.com seven so tyson dot seven except there's no o great well thanks so much for being on the show it was great chatting with you today tyson yeah no worries thank you for having me thanks for listening to another episode of the burn your mortgage podcast besides being a podcast host i'm also an independent mortgage broker if you or anyone you know family friends co-workers or neighbors could ever use any unbiased mortgage advice or a second opinion, feel free to reach out. Email me at Sean, that's S-E-A-N, at burnyourmortgage.ca or call or text me at 647-867-3711 for a free mortgage consultation. Also, be sure to head on over to www.burnyourmortgage.ca and sign up for my free weekly newsletter. As a small token of my appreciation, you'll be able to download my ultimate mortgage checklist on choosing the perfect mortgage. I look forward to hearing from you and helping you with all your mortgage needs. Once again, thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Burn Your Mortgage Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and leave a rating. Until next time, happy mortgage burning.